uh, Teresa and Veed celebrated 34 years of marriage on Friday. Come on, Jesus. You know, and if I can just kind of make a little plug for Veets and Teresa, they are amazing. Um, anyone who knows them knows that. But they also really carry a real heart for connection. And so she mentioned before that her and Veets are relational wellness pastors. And so, um, you know, you don't have to be in relational crisis in order to begin to build a structure and get, be able to get some help. And I just encourage you guys, you know, man, Veets and Teresa are amazing resources. And so... If that's something you're like, hey, I could, I could work on that a little bit, and you want to get some time in session with them, we would love to connect you to them. So, um, all right. Are you guys doing okay? Yeah. Anyone still love Jesus in the room? You guys? So, um, tomorrow is Veterans Day, and I want to honor and celebrate veterans. So, if you're a veteran or active military member, can you stand up? And I want you guys to look around. Just look around. Thank you, Jesus. We are grateful for your service to our country, and we are so thankful for what you sacrificed with your family. So we just bless you um, for, for your service to our country, and we just release that what you have given, God will give back to you. So we just release that over your lives today. We're just so, so thankful for you. So make sure you guys, uh, you know, give them some love and take, a, take someone out to eat maybe tomorrow. Um, I had a, uh, a roommate of mine who, he, he was um, a, a veteran, and uh, he, Veterans Day was like his favorite day because he, he, he would go to places and get breakfast, lunch, and dinner for free. <laughs> so like, he like knew the places, you know. And so you guys deserve much more than that. But. Awesome. Um, one thing I want to underline is the Normandy Project. Um, just to give you guys, can I give you guys a quick update? Yeah. I know I'll give you an update. Normally it's this long. I'm going to give you an update like this long right now. One, um, so we're in the process right now. Uh, we are partially approved. We're just, it's just a waiting game for um, the city with our permitting. And so the downtown district commission, those things are happening. We're, we've gotten partial approvals, and we're just kind of waiting right now. As soon as we're done waiting, we'll be able to begin to, to really um, focus on breaking ground to do abatement and all the asbestos in the building and stuff like that. If you've ever been to our building downtown, it's on uh, 64 to 66 East Broad Street. And if you've been in there, we have intercessors that go there on a regular basis and so they're, they're just in there proclaiming and declaring and like it's crazy like it looks like Jesus is squatting in our building because they wrote on all the walls like everywhere because we're going to paint it and redo the whole thing anyway so you walk in the building and you have like an encounter with the Lord literally on the handrail going up the stairs there's like there's it's this intercessor has gone wild and it's 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 amazing because I had, I had somebody, we had an issue uh, recently, um, just with a tenant issue as far as there was like a water leak. So, you know, if, when you're a property owner, you, this just comes with the territory sometimes. And so we had a, an issue we had to address with the building um, last week. Remember when it rained a lot? Was that last week? It just rained a ton recently. And uh, there's some water coming in, so we had to get someone to come down there and, and help him out. And the person who went down there, like, texted me, and they said, I think I just had an encounter with the Lord by walking into your building. <laughs> and so, you know, we just want to, we celebrate that as a prophetic word over what, what God's going to be doing in that space. And so we still need money and, and assistance, so uh, you can make a tax-deductible donation to the Normandy Project. There's a, uh, a black box. I never know what to call that thing. On the wall out there, and any time during service, during offering, you can put it in the offering basket as well, in the offering plate when it comes around. Just make it out to the Normandy Project so that we know where to put it. Does that make sense, guys? So thanks. We'll continue to give you guys uh, updates as we get updates, but we're just so thankful for everyone who's been able to pour into that uh, that, that area. And um, I had the, the um, 
the ability this last week to meet with the top leaders of our state government on Wednesday morning and actually share about the Normandy project. So just a lot going on kind of behind the scenes. And we're just so grateful for what God is doing. And so you guys good? So thank you guys so much for supporting the Normandy Project. There's more information in the lobby if this is news to you. Um, you can find out a little bit more out there what we're going to be doing with the building. Okay, so this morning, still morning, uh, I have a couple things that I, I kind of want to share with you guys. Um, and, and I feel like it's going to, some things are going to really kind of hit us in different ways. Some, it's not going to be like everyone walks away. You know, when like really great, like teachers and preachers, you walk away, you're just like quoting them during their message, you know, you're like, oh, that's so good. You know, today, I, I feel like today there's an invitation to encounter Jesus in a way that maybe you don't normally encounter Jesus. Does that make sense? And so I just want our hearts to be kind of open to where God might be kind of speaking to us uh, as we move along today. Um, one of my favorite things is, is learning how to encounter Jesus, is learning how to pursue Jesus, is learning how to talk with Jesus, is learning how to listen to Jesus. And sometimes the, the theological framework of that, sometimes it's missed on us. Like we walk in now to a breakthrough that Jesus paid for us as believers. Amen. Like we actually walk into something that someone else paid for. And, and today I want to be able to, 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 to know that when we walk into an encounter with Jesus, that we're doing so, not timidly, we're doing so without a guilty conscience, we're doing so without being double-minded, that we actually know what has been purchased for us so that we can go in freely and boldly. Does that make sense? I don't know about you, but I loved hearing that story about Amanda who we baptized today. I mean, come on, Jesus. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like those testimonies, you know, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What he will do for one, he'll do for another. So I want to read you guys a couple testimonies. You guys okay? So these are a couple testimonies. These are just from our testimony wall. Now, if you need this, if, when, I, when I read this testimony, if you're like, I'm taking that for myself, I want that, I need that, or it's, you know, if I read like left knee and it's your right knee, it's still legal, you can stand up and kind of take it. Um, but you know, if there's something in here as I, as I speak, I want you guys just to, to do something active this morning, and I want you to just stand up, okay? You guys good? Okay. So this is from a woman. Um, this woman lived with constant foot pain in both feet and had difficulty getting up and down. Uh, the pain left, and she was able to get up and down much, much better. Come on, Jesus. This person, my neck was healed uh, when Brian Simmons was here. Come on, Jesus. Neck healing. God used people to give to a trip I was taking that was not a mission trip, but it covered all my expenses. How many of you know, you know God wants to provide for our dreams and desires as much as our kind of ministry goals? Aren't you glad? Yeah. Everyone's there. People are starting to stand for that one. That's good. <laughs> How about this one? My sister has struggled with fertility issues, and now she ha she's 11 weeks pregnant because she got prayer. Come on, Jesus. You know, if you or your family, you just want to have more kids, just stand up right now. And so everyone around them, like, we're going to be doing stuff today. Are you guys good? I want you guys to just get up, and I want you to just surround them right now. Just, we're just going to take a moment here, and I want you to just breathe just the, the, the presence of God on them. I want you to just release heaven's, heaven's wind on them. And, and, and what I mean by that is that right now, just with your words, just say, Holy Spirit, come. We thank you for bringing the breakthrough of the Lord over their lives. 
Lord, we thank you that their faith right now is pulling down, God, the invitation from heaven on their own life. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that what you do for one, you do for another, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are just so good. You are just so unbelievably good. We just had healing rooms in here yesterday. So, Father, we thank you for just that wind of your healing presence, God, that's in the room right now. We thank you, Jesus, that everything that you paid for at the cross that we have access to. So, Holy Spirit, we just release over them. Today is their day of breakthrough. Today is their day that that, that the tide turns, the tide shifts over that place in their life. So, Father, thank you right now for their faith. And we just say fan into flame every gift of God on their life today, God. Every gift of God fan into flame, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a big hug. It's been a, we've done a lot today. We've had baptism, we've had communion, we've had like deliverance and worship, like we've had encounters with Jesus, people are, I just love, I mean, we can, I could probably just close in prayer. <laughs> That's like one of those, like you don't know how to take that as a pastor, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, what are you going to do? I am going to preach today. We are going to go somewhere with Jesus today. But I, I love when, when, when Pastor Mary was leading us in, in, in worship and just went after something in the Spirit. How many of you know it takes boldness to go after something in the Spirit? Like it takes boldness to recognize that there's something right here, there's an invitation for me to step into. I'm not even talking about a corporate setting, I'm talking about a personal setting in God. That personally, there's invitations all the time over our lives that does take boldness to step into. And, and so I want to talk about that. I want to I I tear down some strongholds. I want to lay some framework so that we can move in boldly to when God says to move. You know, I've been really, the Lord's been really speaking to me over the last probably six to eight months. Um, at least that's when I started to, to hear him uh, about this issue of being present with him. You know, busyness is the enemy of intimacy with God. It doesn't mean productivity is, but busyness can be. They're two different things. You can be massively productive in your life, in your relationships, in your work, in your ministry, and not be busy and miss God. And there's, I've been really kind of, kind of seeking the Lord in a different fashion. And are you guys okay that I bring you on my journey here for a moment? And, uh, you know, I've been, really, I've been really encountering the Lord in ways that I didn't think I would by approaching him different ways. Meaning, you know, sometimes you just want the shot in the arm, the kind of like the moment of boom, everything's like, you know, like the, you're just weeping on the ground in a puddle of goo in front of Jesus because he just showed up and like wrecked your life. How many of you can say amen to that? Come on, Jesus, I love that. You know, and, and I think sometimes there, there, there's, we, we tend to uh, put that onto a sovereign plate of the Lord, hoping it happens, versus actually stepping into that place. Does this make sense, you guys? Just follow my train of thought here for a moment. You know, I love Mother Teresa. Uh, she, she had a ministry to the poor that was unlike anything the world had ever seen. And uh, 
she would also spend most of her time in prayer with the Lord, like in the presence of the Lord, in the secret place is a word that we use often around here, just that secret place between you and Jesus. And she would often spend most of her days there. Most people don't know that, that she would spend the majority of her time in that secret room, in that secret place with God. And so, so somebody who was kind of seeking and wanting to learn like, hey, I want to like, how do I live a life like that where I could be aware of God's presence that I could do and hear his voice and, and be connected to him the way that someone like you is. So a group of students actually came to her and one of them, one of them asked her that question. He said, you spend 12, 13, 14 hours a day. So like, what do you say? Like, what are you saying to Jesus? It's a really pragmatic question. Anyone else like curious like what that answer would be? You know what she said? You know what Mother Teresa said? She goes, not much. And it left these group of students kind of baffled. And she said, no, I'm there mostly to listen. And then so they're like, well, what what does Jesus say? He must be talking, like, what is he saying? And she goes, not much. He just likes to spend time with me. Does that make sense, you guys? Like, there's something upside down about the secret place that, that it's important that we begin to embrace. Does this make sense? that I believe that our prayer lives should be slower than our schedule would allow. I'm going to kind of say that again, that our prayer lives, that secret place, it actually should, it should be slower than our schedule would allow. And I understand schedules are important. I, I totally get that. But when you go into that secret place, into that, into that place with you and Jesus, you know, it's important to just turn stuff off. It's important to turn stuff off inside, externally, so that we can learn how to hear him in the midst of other things. We have to learn how to hear him, just his voice alone. And sometimes that looks like, you know what? One less cup of coffee and a little bit more Jesus. That it looks like, you know what? Do I, do I allow God to interrupt even my secret place time with him for him to speak? Am, am I connecting with you guys at all? I feel like, I, I feel like there, there's such a, this thing of kind of, okay, I got to get like my two hours of secret place, you know, and that'll really like ramp me up for Jesus, you know, and, and, and then you kind of go about life and then you come back and you're like, okay, like today I have this much time, so I want to try to spend it really like, I, I want to pray about this, I want to pray about this, or I just want to kind of worship and I'm going to do this. And it's like, what if we are actually called to go into that secret place open-handedly with the Lord? And see how he might speak. To slow down, to turn off your phones, to, 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 to craft out that time with Jesus that can actually bring an upside-down result. You know, you wanna, you're like pursuing God on God. What are you saying about this? What are you saying about this? Have you ever found that Jesus doesn't directly answer your question? That he'll often like talk to you about something over here? Am I the only one? I'll talk with Jesus about this thing, and I'm like, okay, Lord, why? Because I'm talking to him because I want him to answer it. Here's the thing. He, he, he releases that answer whenever he likes. No, I believe in pulling on him. I believe in seeking him. I believe that even an unjust judge gives, you guys remember the story? Gives the person what they're asking for because they just kept asking. But there are so oft, so many times where something that's laboring on my heart, laboring on my mind, that I'll go to that secret place and talk with Jesus about, and the act of talking to him about it, he somehow dissolves the weight. And he just begins to talk to me about something else way over here. 
I, I love how Jesus does that. I love how when we begin to connect with him in the secret place, we become a people of presence. I want to read you something that Bill Johnson wrote about Catherine Coleman. This is Bill Johnson. I think we might have it to put up. He says this. Yes. (laughs) Without being disrespectful, I'd like to tell you what she wasn't. She wasn't a great Bible teacher or a great preacher, although she could do both. She didn't have a natural beauty that seems to exalt others to a place of favor with man ahead of their appointed time. She wasn't a great singer, moving crowds with an amazing voice, and the list goes on. What could she do? She just seemed to be the person that God liked to be with. She is known for the presence. Miracles came from that one thing. Mass conversions came from that one thing. The high places of worship that were experienced in her meetings came from that one thing. She was a presence woman. If I ever saw a person who knew their need for absolute dependence on God, it was Catherine Coleman. You know, Catherine Coleman, I, I love that because you know what? You're all, like, we're all qualified for the presence of the Lord. Did you know that? It, it, that, that it's not about even, to, like we do training and equipping all the time, but training and equipping doesn't mean a thing without the presence of the Lord in our, in our lives. Catherine Coleman was just this amazing woman, and she would tell stories about how, you know, that God actually had that, that assignment for other people, and they said no, but she just stepped into it. She was the one who said yes. You know, God will bring us to a place, like, we're, we are created to be absolutely dependent on God, like, utterly dependent on Jesus, and he will bring us to a place in life to get us there by any means possible. How many of you have found that out? Maybe the hard way. I could raise both hands. So what if we didn't have to go through those things to learn the lesson and just began to approach him so yielded that our need for him to show up would break pride, would break strongholds, would break sickness, come on Jesus, would break disconnection with people around us? Are you guys doing okay? I'm going to read you guys a passage in in Hebrews. So you guys can flip there if you like. Uh, Hebrews 10. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. We don't have to put it on the screen just yet, but Hebrews chapter 10, if you guys want to flip there or open it with your phones or apps. Just... Get ready, and I'm going to read that. But first, I'm going to read something out of Leviticus, and you'll see why in a moment. I know Leviticus is probably where all of you were this morning in devotions, so you can just go back to that place. So Leviticus 16, I'm going to read some of this, and and, and then we're going to go to Hebrews there, is that Leviticus, this is the law of Moses. So this was the law that was laid out specifically in chapter 16 about the Day of Atonement. And so this was the day of the sins of a whole people um, the process to go through those sins to be forgiven. Does that make sense? So this was the big day of atonement. It happened once a year for someone to go into the Holy of Holies. That is to, to, the, to the inner courts, to the holy room of the temple. And it could only be done once a year. And it had to be done like there were really important sequential steps that were needed in order to enter into that place. Okay? So Leviticus 16 
This is uh, verse 2 says, tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is, the, which is on the ark, or he will die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. On a side note, I just love how God is always trying to appear in the Old Testament to his people. Anyway, he says, I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. Just to give you guys some context, uh, uh, flipping forward to verse 17, when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place, no one sh- uh, shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household and for all of the assembly of Israel. Verse 19, with, with his finger he shall sprinkle some blood on it seven times. This is the goat and the, the, um, the, the bull offerings. Uh, he shall sprinkle blood on it seven times and cleanse it from the impurities of the sons of Israel to consecrate it. When he finishes atoning for the holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall offer the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess, uh, and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to their sins. Verse 21, I'm still there. And he shall lay down on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who stands in readiness. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquity to a, solid, to a solitary land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. Okay, are you guys, you guys still with me? Have I lost you guys in the, in the wilderness of Leviticus yet? Do you see the picture of the sequential steps that must take place? I'm, I'm reading just three verses out of an entire book of how things need to be approached. This is where we get the term scapegoat of the sins were put on an animal and sent into the wilderness for the cleansing of a people. Does this make sense? He goes on. I'll read just a couple more, a couple more verses here. It says, Then uh, he shall bathe his body with water in the holy place and put on his clothes. This is, the Aaron, this is Aaron, the high priest. And come forth and offer his burnt offering, verse 24, and the burnt offering of the people to make atonement for himself and the people. Verse 25, then he shall offer up in smoke the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The one who released the scapegoat, the one who released the goat as a scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body with water. And then afterwards he shall come into the camp. Are you guys still with me? I know this is powerful devotional time. I get it. Then the one, verse 28, then the one who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body with water. Afterwards shall come into the camp. There's this picture of even in this place uh, of, of this offering being offered in smoke and incense and, 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 and this way that, that was appropriate to, to, to move into the Holy of Holies one day a year. Now, we have a picture of the temple and the way that it was laid out. And if you're like me, I'm a visual learner. I need a little bit of help sometimes because there's all these different parts of a temple. And since you know, we don't follow the, the Jewish code of the law, here's what it looks like, okay? So you'll see over in this first part, the altar of burnt offerings that is, is your entranceway in. Right away, the offer of burnt offerings and then the bathing area, the ceremonial cleansing that takes place. Then you see a door and it brings you into the holy place, which is kind of this, this space between the two purple lines, if you guys can see that. And that's where the menorah was, altar of incense, again, another place of incense. It was a place um, that was a preparation table uh, for, on this left-hand side here, the Ark of the Covenant with the Shekinah. I just love that. Am I the only one who just loves? Anyway, the, the Shekinah glory of the Lord was over that. And then there was that veil between the two places. Now, that veil uh, in the temple courts, 
They say, you know, scholars are, are a little bit, they're not sure 100%, but they do know this. It was at least 60 feet tall. So just to give you a sense of, of, of dimension, this, this room is 18 foot tall. So three times higher than this. And that, that was, that's a conservative um, estimate of what, how tall that, that, that place was. Some say it's 100 feet. It's also at least 30 feet wide. And again, that's the conservative side. So 60 by 30 conservatively. So just to give you guys a sense, can you guys start to see the, how big that, that thing was? It was also, they said, the thickness of a man's hand, about four inches. The actual thickness of the veil, of the curtain. That there was no way that you could get inside. There's no, nothing could, that's a pretty, pretty solid impenetrable barrier, right? It was guarding and protecting from the, the Shekinah, the glory of the Lord, because God wanted to be there, but there needed to be a way for, for man to encounter the glory of the Lord. Does this make sense? Okay, now, are you guys ready for some good news? You know, a couple of things happened when Jesus was crucified. So four things happened, four miracles happened the, the, the time during his crucifixion. One was that darkness covered the land. Do you guys remember this? It says that between the hours of, of uh, 12 and 3, noon and 3 p.m., the 6th and the ninth hour in the Hebrew uh, clock, darkness covered the land. It was prophesied by Amos that darkness would cover the land on the day of the Lord. Are you guys with me? Just, just finally for a couple more moments, I promise we're going to land and it's going to be amazing. Amos 8.9 says, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. Now, when Jesus was on the cross, those four things that occurred was darkness covered the land. The veil was torn. Do you guys remember that? The veil was torn. Then it says that um, uh, um, old saints who died actually rose from their grave. Do you guys remember this? And began to walk around the city. And of course, Jesus was resurrected. Come on, Jesus. Yeah. I want to kind of talk a little bit about that point when it says that the veil was torn. You know, there was something Jesus was doing to fully embody and fulfill the law. And in doing so, after he fulfilled the law perfectly, he actually broke it, meaning he dismantled the law. Does this make sense? And it says in, uh, in Matthew 27, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. That earthquake was that fourth miracle that happened. You know, scholars are divided as to how the veil was torn, but it was torn from top to bottom. That four-inch wide veil was torn from top to bottom. Some scholars believe that as, breathe, as Jesus breathed out his last breath, he sent the Spirit and tore it down. I like that one. So what is the significance of it? If we could put the, the slide of the holy place back on. Are you guys with me? I promise we're actually almost done. That now that veil that separated everything else has been torn away. Jesus in his body, says his body was torn. It was a prophetic act of the veil, the separation between God and man being torn away. And now in Hebrews 10, where you guys, where you guys were, were planted there for a moment, I want to read you Hebrews 10 in light of this framework. 
says this. Verse 8, 10 verse 8. This is what was written in the scroll. He says, first he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. You see, he sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. 1 Peter 2.9, I know we're jumping, aren't you guys happy there's so much scripture right now? 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you now are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. So if the role of the priest was to day in, day out, offer sacrifices and go through this religious system, if that role, if that system has been dismantled now, what is the role of the priest? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what is the role of the priest now? I, I, if you ask me, and I can prove this in Scripture, the role hasn't changed. Now, we, we bypass the religious steps to get to the presence. It's always been about the presence. That it's always been about us entering into that place of presence. You know, Ruth, Ruth Heflin, just go read anything by her. You know, she, has, she says this. She says, as there is air in the atmosphere of earth, Glory is the atmosphere of heaven. That we're actually being created for that Shekinah glory to actually encounter him on a daily basis. You see, he did everything so that there's no longer steps for us to go into the presence with Jesus. Once and for all, he made atonement. Is anyone else getting a little encouraged just for a moment here? It says this, and... It, Hebrews 10, verse 19, I'm going to skip ahead. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because he who promised is faithful. Now I want you to just get this picture where once it was about sprinkling of water for ceremonial washing. Now a baptism makes you clean for eternity. That, that there's no more qualification. So sometimes in, 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 you know, what we tend to do is we don't, hold, we don't, we don't believe that and so then we try to make things we try to create some really like awesome like charismatic steps to the presence of the Lord. Does that make sense? And we actually start to build up a small little version of like the law to like get into the presence of Jesus. Am I am I am I speaking to anyone's life personally? You know, that sometimes it's like, oh, you know, hold on, let me like let me like put on like, you know, the super anointed like worship and like I got to do this or I have to like do this a certain way. Listen, you're creating a new system. Jesus tore down all that stuff. He did so, so much that now people who don't know him can encounter him. 
He made himself available for all mankind. And in doing so, he frustrates and undoes the work of the enemy who wants to keep you in a religious place, who wants to keep the world thinking God is someone different from who he is, that you have to do some stuff in order to encounter his love, in order to encounter his presence, in order to encounter the life-changing spirit of God in our lives. That Jesus did it all. Have I said Jesus enough today? So this is, this is the last pivot point is, now what do we do with some of this? You know, Jesus modeled something for us about drawing away, about it says that, that he would slip away. I love that part. That some says he would go, and other, but he, a, a number of versions say, uh, translations say, he would slip away to the wilderness to spend time with God. Like in the middle of the most amazing revival the world had ever seen, Jesus, in the early morning, he would slip away. His first priority was the presence of God. It wasn't even telling his disciples where he was going. Some people are like, that's bad leadership. No, he's prioritizing the presence above everything. And there are times in our life that you need to create an environment to slip away. You know, a, a number of women just went on this, I don't even know what you would call it, like a glory a glory wilderness slip away dehydration fest because they're just crying and encountering Jesus for like hours and hours and hours. And, and, and to me, you know, I just love the, the example that they're setting. And, and I, you know, we need in our lives to be able, to, am I speaking to anyone today? I, you know, like we need to be able to slip away because listen, that's the key to encountering the presence of the Lord. And it actually says now when you enter in, you're, you're going to be sprinkled so that just, just follow a picture here for a moment so that you do not have a guilty conscience. Meaning when you move into the presence of the Lord, how many of you found that one of the first things, like you, you don't enter in even though you're there to, to, to be with Jesus. You don't enter in until you deal with some stuff that God's putting his finger on, right? We don't get to just enter in with Jesus and like just have this lovey-dovey time with him if we're not obeying the things that he's speaking to us. So meaning this, that when, when I want you to get a picture of like, just follow me for a moment. This is totally not scriptural. Um, but, you know, the secret place, that place with Jesus, being like a room and a door, and you just walk in and through that door, God will kind of speak to you about a couple things he just wants to talk with you about, right? He wants to talk with you about a couple things, something you're unaware of, some things maybe you are aware of. I don't know about you, but when I'm in the presence of the Lord, offense seems to dissolve in my life as I recognize it. All I do is recognize it, and he just dissolves it right away. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I had no idea I was carrying that. Or you know what, God? Yeah, I, I have been... Man, I haven't been dealing with that. I'm, I'm so sorry. And in a moment, it's gone. It's not about this self-loathing thing again. Guys, listen. In a moment, he already paid for it all. In a moment, it's gone. You get to be who you are in a moment in his presence. That he's not coming in saying, okay, Sean, where is the burnt offering? Where is the fat of the, of the bull? Um, I require something from you. No, no, no. He required something from Jesus. And Jesus gave it to him so that we could enter into who he is. Do you understand that? That the great reward of Jesus is us becoming like him. And I love what it says in Hebrews 10. It says that when, he, uh, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be his footstool. Woo! Anyone else, like, I feel just so much juice on that. 
he waits for his enemy, meaning this. Listen, I want, you to, I want you to consider something, and maybe this shifts our thinking a little bit, is that sometimes, you know, in our promised land, you know, there are enemies in that promised land. How many of you found that? Right? That, that, that's kingdom. You know, we're, we're actually called to go and, and, and take land, so to speak, that the borders of the kingdom would continue to be expanded. Just follow me for a moment. But sometimes we view that as like, you know, like we're going to go out and become victors. It's like, no, no, no. The victory has already been won. Now we go out into those fields and collect the spoils of the victor which is healing the sick, raising the dead, prophesying, this makes sense, casting out demons, bringing people to Jesus. It's the spoils of the victor who's already won. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but we, sometimes we need to shift that from I need to shaka into the presence versus I do that as a response to the presence. Does this make sense? Versus, you know, your ministry is going to be powerful and effective as you know who you are and whose you are and go out, not, not as, a, as, a, as someone who's trying to conquer new territory, as someone who's, who's picking up the spoils up for the victor. It totally changes the way your ministry is going to be released on the earth. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. It's just all about Jesus. And, you know, you do stuff, and he's like... You're a mighty warrior. I'm like, I didn't do anything. I'm just literally picking up a crown because you took it off someone's head and giving it to you for glory and honor. I'm literally going out and and finding that person who was once under the oppression of the enemy and coming around that person and they begin to encounter Jesus. They begin to encounter the the presence of the victor over their lives that they didn't know he already won the war. Am Am I doing okay? I feel like I could preach on this forever, but I, I want to make I want to be aware that like there's something really important that we either grab onto this or we just kind of think ah you know yeah he's kind of sovereign like he'll use me when he uses me he's already invited you to be more than a conqueror see he was a conqueror he's actually giving you a promotion that you can be even more than a conqueror you'll do greater things like like there there there's something about going into the presence and coming out of that place that you begin to carry him in a new way. So I believe it looks like this. It looks like when, you, when we begin to craft our life and shape our life around the presence, you know, our prayer room, our secret place becomes the holy room of the Lord, becomes just the manifest dwelling place of God. And I'm not trying to create Old Testament. He's already inside of you. But how many of us know, like, I need to be intentional with encountering him? That your life, your destiny will be changed through not a service, not a great man or woman of God coming in and just, you know, blowing the tops off everything. And we, like, I lead ministry schools. I literally, like, am giving my life for those environments to happen, okay? Don't hear what I'm not saying. But the transformation with Jesus occurs, the equipping, the destiny, the work, the, 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 the grace to be in the step into that field of victory occurs when we know who we are in him. And this is what it looks like, you know, I'll give you guys two pictures here of what it looks like to be prayed up. Like, I'm not using that word much, but that, that's what this is, right? Like, we want to be prayed up. Like, when I say prayed up, it just means like, I'm so, I, my favorite place to be is in the presence of Jesus. That's what it looks like for life to be prayed up. Does that make sense? And so if we could have that first video, 
This is what it looks like uh, for someone to, a picture of being someone that is in, knows who they are and is just girded in Jesus and is saturated in the presence. If this doesn't work, we can just not do it. love that picture. I feel like today, you know, I, I want to I challenge us and really like, I, I want to give us an appetite for going into that place with Jesus again, rediscovering him, slowing down while we're there, beginning to have encounters with him that actually change the course of your life, change the course of history, change the course of people around you. How many of you know that the presence of God on your life is going to impact everyone around you? It's impossible to not. It's impossible to not. When Moses encountered the glory of the Lord, it says that a veil had to be put over his face because he was shining and scaring people around him. And this is like Old Testament stuff. This wasn't the Shekinah. This was just the goodness of the Lord passed before him that we, like Moses, reflect the glory of the Lord because the veil, the curtain, has been removed. You know, and sometimes when you're away from the presence of the Lord, you start to have a distorted view of who God is. That your time away is not good time. There's no vacation from Jesus. Like, does this make sense? It's like, if there is, then you have already have a, have a skewed perspective of who he's, what he's like. And God can change that in a moment when we just come back to him and say, God, show me what you're like. Sh show me what you're like. You know, one of my favorite authors has this quote. He says that a day, if you wake up and just decide, uh, I'm not going to be moral today, you're no longer moral. Pretty, everyone's like, yeah. A day you wake up and say, I'm not going to be spiritual today, you move away from those promises of God that are already over our lives. And so instead, it's approaching each day with the sense of, God, what are you doing today? Where are you? I want to know you in a deeper way. And are you guys good for one more video? This is 15 seconds. This is what I believe that our secret place time is like with God. So go ahead and play that shorter video. Make sure you the sound is on. understand that you got 90% above all the stuff. And outstanding. I am so proud of you. You are doing amazing in school. You are totally killing it. I love you. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think God is going to like just be so heavy handed in correction. And in a moment he shifts us and then just and then pours out on us. Does this make sense? Are you guys okay? 
So why don't you guys just stand up, stand to your feet. We're going to close. And I feel like what I want to do is uh, I'm going to go ahead and just invite our ministry teams to come on forward. Um, and our second year CSSM students and any CSSM graduates, we might need a little bit of help today um, being able to, to minister to people. And so what I want to do is this. If you're, if, if you're like, I need to go, I want to rediscover that secret place. I want to rediscover what it's like to encounter Jesus I want to rediscover what it is to have a heart just to simply really have that secret place, that, that, that inner place, that inner courts with Jesus go to another level. I'm just going to invite you to be vulnerable and come on up and let our teams pray for you. If you need healing in your body, come on up, let our teams pray for you. If you want a prophetic word, let our teams pray for you. But just right now, I believe that there are some in the room that just need to step out and be like, yeah, I need, I just want to, I need that to be enlarged in my life. So just come on forward right now. Those of you who feel like, hey, I'm ready for that secret place, inner court time to just expand and explode. Awesome. Bless you. Come on up. I just encourage you guys, just come on up right now. Just come on up. This is time where, you know, when we step out into something, God meets us in that place. And we need those opportunities to be vulnerable with the Lord. So just come on up if you're like, yeah, that's me. I want to go to that deeper place with Jesus. I'm ready to give more of an all-in. If I could have some second-year ministry students, yeah, come on forward and just force some teams up here for us. And everyone else, why don't you just put your hands on your hearts. Ministry teams, you guys can go ahead and just begin to, to bless them, just begin to minister. Just put your hand on your heart right now. And I just want to... I just want to pray over us that there would just be a, a new day, a new sense of presence of God in our life as we just turn our affections and our attentions towards Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now uh, for taking us into those places, God, of where you're waiting for us, God, that we could go out and collect the victor spoils in our everyday lives, Jesus. We just give you permission, Lord, fire of God, to come in a fresh way today, tomorrow, and the next day, God, to meet us every day that we turn our affections towards you, Jesus. We just thank you for everything you paid for, God, and we bless you now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Ministry teams are ministering up here. If you guys need a prophetic word, just stand right here. Someone will be able to direct you. Uh, if you're here and you need healing in your body, you know, I've read some testimonies before. I have good news for you. God is in the healing business. He wants to heal your body today. So come on forward and let our teams pray for you. Uh, next week, Pastor Jim will be here. We have a guest speaker, Dave Jones. It's going to be amazing. So we'll see you guys then. And tonight, come to CSSM. It's the last night to join. Uh, and we will...